1: It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
0: Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Wednesday, as we begin November, as we begin the holiday season. Gary, how are you? Uh. <laughs> did I bring it up too early? Uh, 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 I have a neighbor, I was telling you, during the pre-show meeting, I walked out you know, to my truck tonight to, to drive in, and I looked down the street, and neighbor's already got his Christmas lights on. Now, my question is, did he have them up all year long? I don't know. I got I gotta be honest with you, I don't know. I didn't see him working in his yard to put it up, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm not out there standing in my yard all day looking at to see what my neighbors are doing. I have somebody do that for me. So I I didn't I don't know, but he he's the first on our block to turn his Christmas lights well, on.
2: On on social media there seemed to be a big concern that as soon as Halloween is over, people wish to celebrate Christmas and many people are offended by that. Yeah, well, you just have to be offended because
0: I don't care if you're offended. <laughs> well, I, I, to me, i you know if
2: okay, a lot of things to complain about in the world. Well, you know, I mean, uh, and you know, and and the I love the people that go crazy about, yeah. and then and people start playing Christmas music. You don't have that's to listen not, to it. That's not really a major. That definitely would be considered a elite first world problem yeah an elitist yeah. first world exactly. problem. because i don't care i mean well, the, well everything
0: is selective listening and viewing when we when, whatever we watch right you know it's it's all now streaming and and a lot of that too with with music you don't have to listen to christmas music nobody is forcing you to do that you don't have to be in the holiday spirit it, uh, you know, it's up to you. Nobody really cares how you want to celebrate or not celebrate.
2: And it seemed to be quite a few people furious. I'm like, with all the world's problems going on, yeah. I'm like, that's what irks you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, my
0: neighbor is a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. Uh, his son uh, is in law enforcement uh, and is over at the house. I know he's over at the house because he's his law enforcement vehicle is uh, sitting out front. Uh, from time to time. Uh very nice guy and I'm, you know, it could be the fact that all right, things are kind of crazy right now. Here's some holiday spirit, let's get it started as soon as possible. That sounds like something he would say, you know? The the kind of uh, mindset that that he uh, that he has. And I don't have a problem with it. Where was I uh Oh, I drove by a place it was a restaurant uh recently and They had their outdoor Christmas tree thing. They have, like, this big um, round circle as you drive into this restaurant. But in the middle of that circle, they're putting up Christmas trees outside. And
2: that was a while back. And I'm like, okay. You know, if... Oh, yeah, it's been over a week that I've seen in my 27-mile ride in, Christmas lights up. But what's going going on there? I mean, to me, it's obvious. They have somebody professionally install it Mm -hmm. and it because that's Mm -hmm. an expensive thing to do and Mm -hmm. so as soon as it's installed they have the lights on and until they come and take the lights down i mean i've seen uh, one house last year had the lights going in october and obviously when you see you know the the lights you you say okay they had them professionally installed and Mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't turn their lights off till february yeah and it's like that from october getting their money's worth exactly because it's quite expensive to do that now here's what i don't know do they do they use your lights or do they sell you their lights? I've never, I will never it's, have it's anybody. Common,
0: it's a combination of both. Uh, you can you can have them purchase lights. I mean, they become your lights. Um, it's, I don't know of any services that offer rent a light. <laughs> but that actually could be a thing. I, I, I just don't know of it. Uh, but uh, typically it's, you know, something you put up. I know that my neighbor, these are his lights and he puts them up, but uh, I did have another neighbor that put up some lights, and it wasn't the biggest display. I was kind of surprised that he had hired out it wasn't it wasn't anything extravagant you know, and he doesn't have like a big two or three story house which becomes really dangerous for people to to do a lot of people you know i was my family members are always telling me. When you get on the roof this year, just be careful. Just be careful every no, year I, as I get older.
2: Yeah, I never – I don't go on my roof anymore. It's yeah. too steep.
0: Yeah. Uh, you have a steep roof. Yeah, I, I don't. Yes. And I have yes. a rent-style house, so uh, I get up there. What's weird is at some point about 20 years ago, my fear of heights went away, and I have no idea why. But I get up there, and I have to check vents and, and uh, you know, and uh, the, the chimney and, and, you know, do – a little maintenance a couple of times a year, uh, up there. And I get up there with no, no issues whatsoever. My problem is when I wait until the worst cold front of the year, you know, and, uh, all of a sudden it's, I don't know, 25 degrees or, or uh, or colder and I'm up there trying to put lights on and my hands don't work because they're numb. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you and I were talking off the air yesterday. I, Probably will get my lights out a little bit earlier this year just to get it out of the way because, you know, there's so much going on in both my personal life and tons going on here at work uh, with all the stories. So, you know, I I, I wouldn't mind turning them on a little bit early. For
2: for me, I start because uh, I have a when I when I first got my first cat back. Oh, I said now 10 years ago when. Yeah, when was Mango hanging outside the studios here? That was that was about ten years was ago, like, wasn't it? Was it like ten years ago? Cause I think I had so. Four, or five. That nah, was about seven years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that that's when I decided. Okay, I need to because I have I have. A, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, about, yeah, yeah, yeah was I have, about I have, seven. I have a front business yeah. office. Yeah, and it's got you know the French doors in it, and so I just I just said if I have a cat, I've got to move the tree from the normal room. And move it into that room, and so I eventually just decided to have a Christmas room. Now, <laughs> my late black cat <laughs> Mango and my my new kitty now they could care less about the tree. They don't they don't destroy anything.
1: They don't yeah, they, they right. just they
2: just. Yeah. Uh, but it's just been a tradition where. I like doing it. And it's a way to ensure that you clean out your office completely every year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything gets, you know, yeah. everything gets gets done at that point. Right. So I'll probably start, you know, the, the it takes about, you know, two to three weeks for me to get everything done, which is right before Thanksgiving. And then I don't yeah. have to worry about it after Thanksgiving, so I'll exactly. have everything up. But I start the process now yeah. probably, well, not uh, not uh, later on today because I have a dent- dentist appointment. Uh, But probably, you know, Thursday, Friday, this weekend, I'll start moving everything out. Then I steam clean the carpeting in there and, you know, let that dry. And then slowly over that time period, put everything up. I don't rush to do it. So, uh, but uh, yeah. um, Yeah, we've got two Christmas trees. My wife does all that. She does such a
0: great job. And uh, we've got one for the, the front window, but then one back in the living room where they watch TV and, I don't watch a lot of television, but uh, they're, you know, where they are in the, uh, in the TV, the family room, and, and they put, they put one up in there to enjoy it in there. And I do the outside lights and we try and keep it simple. Usually we do it in the same weekend, but if I'm going to do it early, I can't, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, it's likely not going to be coordinated uh, depending on whether or not she has the time to do her part, but it's, um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, you know, I started seeing Christmas trees in stores like back in, I don't know, April. <laughs> and they, over the last probably month and a half or so, Christmas trees and, you know, decorations for sale have been up in stores. Oh, yeah. Right, you know, and. Doesn't it? Doesn't bother me. It's you know it no. doesn't and and I do see people that get annoyed by it. Can we just? Can we just? Can we? I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's always an exciting time this time of the the uh, the uh, year because we know that uh, the elite liberal professors and the liberals in the media just love the holiday of celebrating the birth of Jesus so that's right Yes, uh, you know we we know it brings you know very you know good feelings to them
0: I I know that it does it clearly does. I mean I know that uh, and you know we we can throw Bill Maher in there
2: (laughs) you and I were talking to the pre-show meeting
0: the uh, the interview Kaylee McEnany did with uh, Mike Johnson uh, speaker of the house uh, and she was asking him about all the you know the Essentially, media attacks on us Christianity, and he said, "Look, it doesn't bother me. You know, it comes with the territory. It doesn't bother me." Uh, Bill Maher comparing him, uh, you know, to the to the shooter and and all of this, you know, uh, in terms of hearing voices and all this. And I thought to myself, you know, that's just that's what liberals do. You know, they're and. I, I would be right there, likely with Mike Johnson, if I were in that position, and uh, you, the, whoever it is, Gen uh, Saki, Bill Maher, want to take shots at my Christianity. You're not gonna you're not gonna shake my beliefs, and you're not gonna you know change anything that uh, I believe in. Uh, as he pointed out in the interview with Kaylee McEnany, look, not, I'm not here to establish a national religion. That's not what's going on but he has very strong beliefs and it's not just that it's Mike Johnson obviously being in the spotlight as the new speaker, but I told you during the pre-show meeting, this is the, you know, this is the continuation and part of uh, this radical behavior that has been going on for a long, long time. And now it is ramped up uh, and over the top with the attack on Israel and Mm -hmm. the unbelievable support for Hamas It's just over and over again, you're seeing again who the radicals are. We said from the beginning, right after the attack on Israel, that this is going to separate the radicals from everybody else. And it's doing just that.
2: Yeah, but what it's also doing is showing you how many radicals are out there. Yeah, a lot more than probably a lot of people thought. Uh, Again, uh, I've been surprised at the bluntness of the anti-Semitism and hatred from the left. Uh, but I'm not surprised by it. And we've right. talked about this yeah. before mm-hmm. because the Democratic Party, and this is something that we talked about before a lot of people did, which was identity politics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have pounded on it over the years. And uh, you see that it has come true. Oh, by the way, I finally got my my, uh, my, my first today, my first, uh, 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 you know, uh, hatred towards uh, uh, Jews email. Oh really? Yeah, got that finally? I got that today. Oh, wow! Like, oh, oh, okay. Hmm. You know, All basically, right. we don't we don't need another damn person in the media defending the Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I you know, defending. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, why? Because they were slaughtered. Yeah, and of course, those are the ones you just ignore. Uh, but I was—it was interesting because I hadn't received one. I was, and it sort of—I was like, "Oh, okay, there it is."
0: Yeah, I tend and to some, ignore hateful morons. They kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, just ignore it, and, define and, who they are and, very clearly.
2: The the one guy, <laughs> the one hate monger sent me, you know, it wasn't enough. One email, he had to send me two. Oh, you know, and oh. it was just like, you know, it's it's you know, what's interesting is you know, you've done this for decades. That I'm in my thirty fifth year and really i get frustrated over stupidity but the fact is people actually believe that if they insult you that it somehow gets to the core of your soul and they're very happy if they throw a hate email your way it's like do you understand what i do
0: yeah right
2: do you understand you uh, know you know i, you know, I, I mention it just so people know that 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 we that you know the response that we get to things that we uh, believe, but it doesn't bother me. I mean, right. it doesn't. Yeah. It's like yeah. they really, really, it's uh, it's really interesting. And I think it's because they, uh, actually are, you know, so they're full of they're full of bigotry and hatred and anti semitism and 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 racism. And I think <clears throat> there, I think there's when when you hate like that, you're full of emotion. And so when yeah. you're full of emotion, because yeah. hatred comes from emotion, you know, that that it comes from, you know, everything, you know, the hatred, the rage, everything. It's not based in fact. It's not based in logic. It's not based in critical thinking. So you're an extremely emotional person with all negative characteristics. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you assume that ev- other people will care what you you know, will be affected by what you think, right? Yeah, in a in a way so that that's will a great harm point. them. Yeah, that's a great point. You
0: think of the motivation of writing not one but two emails. You know how motivated yeah. I would have to be to write two emails? To <laughs> exactly. But it's, so, I mean, it it is, and it, they're motivated by that bigotry. That they're motivated by that hatred, as if as if it, you know, uh, it's the self righteous approach as if they're right and everybody else is wrong and wow that couldn't be further from mm. the truth
2: and and the things that they're justifying for example genocidal behavior yes uh, you know they proudly they proudly in a way promote which is just bizarre you know, you and I talked about this a long time ago. How the left would immediately, you know, say we your opinion is racist. What part? Well, what part is racist? Because mm. we believe in individuality and yeah. you know, and judging people by, you know, uh, you know them as an individual. Mm-hmm. That that's uh, you know that's it. And we could never understand that. And finally, after a few years in talk radio, you came to an understanding that. We get confused because we sit and we think, well, how can't th- – this is logical. How can't they think that way? Because we assume that all human minds think the yeah. same way.
0: Right, and they don't. And, and they, they don't. And you're and, seeing that now. And, and, and
2: I think the same thing happens to people that hate. Yeah. They think yeah. that, you know, if they hate, you hate. You may hate in a different way. Right. But you still hate, and that's not true. Right. No, I mean, that yeah. you, you're
0: absolutely right. We've been saying that for a long, long time. You know, and then it, it it was years ago and we said, well, wait a minute. This is because this is how they think. And we don't think
2: that way. Right. 866 red eye
3: This report is brought to you by Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Cold temperatures and water can lead to only one outcome. And ice has no place in a truck's air system. That's why it's absolutely crucial to keep your air system moisture-free as temperatures begin to drop. If a vehicle didn't have an air dryer, the air system would be filled with that water, which can lead to dangerous and costly premature brake failures. To add insult to injury, if it's cold enough, that liquid will freeze, threatening air supply to various systems including the transmission and suspension. Ice in the air system can also disable the compressor, for example, along with any of the air valves in the system. Make sure your air system is in top condition before plunging temperatures. Put it to the test.
1: Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
0: great deals hey i have a great find in your bargain hunting journey book online at motel6.com use the code cpredeye to get 15 percent off your stay at motel 6 or studio 6
2: It's Red Eye radio he's Eric Harley and uh I'm Gary McNamara uh, we've got so, we've got so much uh to uh to talk about uh, mm. today uh, Mayorkas uh testifying but of course saying nothing right uh Christopher Ray just by not saying anything for yeah. about seven eight seconds today yeah. when asked are we uh are we safer under Biden <laughs> you know t- you know today and just a discussion on the board of the GOP senators uh, uh, coming out uh, uh, there. There's so much to talk about. Larry Summers, the Obama economist coming out and really stating what we said over the last couple of days, especially with the economic numbers that uh, came out, the deficit numbers that uh, came out mm. uh, last Friday, that the U.S. fiscal deficit, a more serious problem than ever before. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Of and course, we've just we've just got, you know, so much to talk about. Audio cuts uh, uh, galore and. One of the things that we we have talked about is from the very beginning of what has happened in in uh, in uh, in Israel and the horrendous terrorist uh, uh, attack and genocidal behavior from uh, from Hamas we 've talked about how the reaction of the left in this country is totally related to identity politics which has been completely and totally embraced by the Democratic party right now the level and the, to the degree may be different, but it all comes from identity politics. More on that coming up.
1: Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly Red Eye Radio.
2: And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and uh, and good morning. And and so as, uh, you know, we we have we have talked about what has led us here to this incredible anti-Semitism that you see here in the United States, and you know, uh, without question, I'll say this: so a couple of hundred, I'll, I'll get the exact figure of uh of professors at columbia came out and said this anti-semitism from the other professors is just incredible yeah but i think I, I forgot where i read it yesterday it said you know that the left has always looked at at uh the right and said the right is the racist the rights the right is the you know the 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 anti uh, uh semites that the right you know they they use for example i mean charlottesville is still misquoted right you know uh, charlottesville and and what uh Trump said, and they still use it today, and Trump never said it. Right. You always got, even when they attacked Trump, what was it? Well, it's his code words. Yeah. And then if you're yeah. against illegal immigration, then you're a racist. That's the judgment of a racist. And, of course, that's not the definition of a racist at all. They just, well, okay, we're going to make up new definitions as we, as we go along. Having a secure border has nothing to do uh, with racism at all. Nothing. Absolutely right. yep. nothing to do with it. They made that up in Charlottesville when he talked about good people on both sides. He specifically was talking about the whole uh, statue thing. Right. That there are people on both sides or people that say, no, I we want the history to on be On both there. sides
0: of the argument. Uh, of, that,
2: yeah. of, the, of that argument. Right. With, with statues. Right. And they were making it sound like, well, no, that's the, you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, defending white supremacy and... Just a sentence later, I believe it was sentence or a couple of sentences later, he specifically went after the white supremacist. Yeah. Now we yeah. know, and this is why when we talked about the uh, the RNC and the third debate coming up next week and having uh, Welker from Meet the Press and Lester Holt on there, mm-hmm. it's just like, why does the Republican National Committee want to cut their own throats? Right. Because as we know, even when you had the debate between Biden and Trump. Uh, and it was, um, oh, I got mind blank here. Uh, the uh, the the last one on Charlottesville, the Charlottesville question.
0: Uh, Chris Wallace. Uh, Chris Wallace asking yeah.
2: the question. Chris Wallace knew it. Chris Wallace knew he was lying. Yep. At that point when he asked the question about Charlottesville and Trump should have called him on it.
0: Yeah, because he was asking the question to Biden, but it it should have been right, right then at that point. And we've said this, look, uh, whoever you are on stage especially when we get down to the uh, general election uh, uh, debates, it's you have to control the narrative regardless Mm -hmm. of the question. And he should have said, Chris, you just lied. You lied by omission. Right. Read the whole quote from Charlottesville so that everybody knows what it is. Right. And, you know, but this is this has been their tactic for a long, long time. They've, They've had to lie about it. And now they're. So many on the left are promoting what Hamas did you're calling Trump and people on the right
2: Nazis right so you and and so you can look at it and you can say uh look uh, hey I, I mentioned the guy who wrote me an email mm-hmm. absolute uh anti-Semite yeah he listens to the show mm-hmm. does that mean I'm an anti-Semite because he wrote to me no no, it doesn't what makes? What would make me an anti-Semite or a racist, whatever, is specifically what I said, not that somebody was listening to me. Now, you have support for and you've had support uh, for Republicans in the past from people that are racist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you can find people that claim they're conservative that are racist. Yeah, we don't believe that you can be a conservative and be a racist because part of being a conservative is judging everybody as an individual. But what we have stated is what you look at is not whether there are individuals that may hold some of your views that also hold racist or anti-Semitic views. It's, is it institutionalized, you know, is it actually institutionalized and a part of the culture of the organization that you're involved in, Mm. And that's where it stops for de- that's where it stops for liberalism and Democrats looking at Republicans and conservatives because they have institutionalized identity politics. Yeah, they really have. They have ins- it has become, and we have stated this uh, before, and it, the uh, the the evidence is crystal clear. We brought up yesterday one of the things that really bothered us uh, was a uh, 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 bo- well, it Well, didn't bother us because I expected from them. It's something that we pointed out to you. A perfect example of the hate mongering, for example, coming from Biden. And it's when he called the Georgia election law, Jim Crow on steroids, Jim Crow 2.0, mm-hmm. trying to convince people that an election law, that after the election, remember after the they had two elections and they asked everybody across the board, all democratic, all, all demographics, whether they were happy uh, and and felt that the the voting system was great. And right. it was through the roof. And it didn't matter what the demographic was. didn't matter whether you were black, Hispanic, white. People just were completely and totally satisfied with it. No massive revolt from blacks stating that it was Jim Crow laws in any way because it wasn't. Right. And to make that statement to begin with, and the Georgia election, I'll remember the whole thing of moving the Major, major League Baseball All-Star game to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, but it, there's nothing racist about it. And they would continually throw it out. For example, as we saw with uh, with voter ID, voter ID was racist. Yeah, right. Everybody knows voter ID is not racist. Right. It's a very simple concept. Right. That that is supported by the vast majority of blacks. There's not really much of a probably within the margin of error in most polls as to how blacks view voter ID as whites view well, voter ID. It got I've, to the
0: point where the left had to start backtracking on that, and Senator Warnock, yeah, remember that said. I don't even know anybody that's against voter ID, which was laughable because his entire party has been railing against it for years.
2: But when you see the modern identity politics movement, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's important, I think, to repeat things over and over again because Mm -hmm. they do on the other side. And the answer and the argument's always the same. The modern, to me at least, the modern identity politics movement really got started in the late 80s early 90s and i we've talked about this before with uh the uh uh, uh attacks on when talk radio started growing the attacks on especially black conservative talk show hosts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um uh justice um thomas thomas and mm-hmm. thank you very mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. <laughs> justice thomas mm-hmm. uh that's where i believe the infancy of it began where you had the liberal black leadership, and the Democratic Party pound on anyone who was black and had uh, conservative philosophy. Not that they were wrong. Not that, look, they're wrong on that. Right. And and right. if they, they're wrong on it, and if they knew the history of racism, well then, obviously, if you connect the dots here, it shows you that they're wrong on this issue. No, no, no. The argument was... If you don't agree with us, you're an Uncle Tom. Right. That you're being manipulated, that you don't have your own kind of, you don't have your own mind uh, to think of it. And so identity politics, as we know, uh, identity politics, which is you judge people by groups and not as individuals, and then adding to that, the victim-oppressor relationship is exactly what the identity politics is today. To get to the anti-Semitism part of it, it's simply add Jews mm-hmm. to the list right. of people that you have categorized in a you know in, in a particular demographic. Therefore, if they're in this demographic, they have those traits. You see it in critical race theory mm. that all whites are culturally racist to the point that it might as well be in their DNA. And even if you say, well no, I, I don't judge by color, that's the evidence that you judge by color. Right. Everything is posterior backwards. Nothing makes sense. There are no dots you have to collect uh you know you, that you have to connect it just what is is because we say it is but identity politics is across the board whether it's in the DEI training that you see in most major corporations mm-hmm. uh today which is absolutely bigoted and stereotypical because they make huge assumptions of well this is how people think therefore you you know you uh you don't have a chance right. and we brought up right. some examples when we talked about DEI DEI here just uh in the last uh, uh couple of weeks mm-hmm. but it's everywhere and when we talk about because this is, I think the most important thing that everybody knows because Martin Luther King said it can't wait to the day where you judge a person by the content of their character and not the color of their skin
0: right
2: most right. people look at that and go well duh yeah because I got friends and I got friends that are you know a different color skin different religions uh uh and with different ethnicities, we all get along, yeah, we all get along, and right. yeah, I judge that person by you mm-hmm. uh, I don't judge eric i I look at you, and I don't judge you by David Duke, no, because you ha because you have the same skin color, right. Or I don't judge you by your eye color or your hair color. You could judge me by the way I look, but it has nothing to do with those traits. No, that would no, but that's the whole ugly thing. Yeah, exactly. So, and and ugly and the way I dress and being ugly is a legitimate discriminatory policy. Yes, because we need to have more beautiful people. And I'll just say this: I like bell bottoms. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. But
4: those are the... By,
2: the. by the way, just very quickly, I got to say that early in Rush Limbaugh's career, that was still my the favorite, most favorite bit that he ever did. Oh. When he, I think it was in Sacramento. And uh, I don't on know the, on ugly people. Yeah, yeah. Ugly. And Now yeah. was was uh, Tyler, who used to be our boss, who was one of Rush Limbaugh's first boss. Was he the PD? then? Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: I got to write Tyler and ask. I I have to know because at know, some point I got to know. You know.
2: Tyler gave us one of the best compliments ever, because Tyler mm. used to be our boss. Yeah, it? yeah. Remember when he retired?
0: He hired me into talk radio, by the way. And he oh, also really? hired Rush into talk radio. Well, he <laughs> and, and he
2: also was consulted in my hiring in talk radio, just yeah. so you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. But but I'll never forget. He told. I don't know if you were there or not, but he told me one time, he said, there are only uh, uh, two talk shows that I never told what to do. Mm. He goes, one was Rush and one was you guys. Mm. And rush because he wouldn't listen to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I always got the biggest kick out of that. I love uh, that. No, but but uh, g- getting back to the whole identity politics <laughs> things and yeah. oh, but, well, when Rush said about the 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 ugly people that right. uh, ugly people should be banned because ugly people you know seem to be attracted to each other and yeah, then
0: they should be procreate and then they procreate and, create, and create, create ugly offspring ugly and everything people.
2: and it's like people were outraged by it and of course the whole stupid thing about it is. You know what's what's the definition of ugly? It's different for every person, of course. You know, so it, I right. mean it, that that's why how stupid right. it was. But the left was outraged by that. I'll mm-hmm. never forget that one. But <laughs> uh, but an identity politics here, um, uh, you can go something as simple as they explain it. They're blunt about it, and I saw this story yesterday, and I went, this is a perfect example. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson calls on city to give black residents fewer parking tickets for racial equity. In the city's racial equity report, it states that the goal for the city's Department of Finance is to implement a plan that will result in fewer parking tickets issued to black and brown residents of the Windy City. The city of Chicago also provides a link for employers regarding the so-called white supremacy culture that exists out there. Now, what is the white supremacy culture? Hmm. The white supremacy culture includes perfectionism, a sense of urgency what defensiveness worship of the written word objectivity and individualism so actually their definition of white you know the the white supremacist culture which is the basis for critical race theory the modern critical race theory that right. they're trying to teach kids yeah is the opposite of what white supremacy actually is. Right. That's it, individualism. But, I judge I judge a person as an individual. No. No, 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 no. Well then that's white supremacy. So they just change the definitions completely yeah. and say, "Oh, okay, then Martin Luther King was a white supremacist." Right? Well <laughs> by their we've definition.
0: Been, we've been asking for a long time. How long before the left disavows the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr.? Are you kidding me? Yeah. We said, we we asked the question, are they going to get away from it at universities? You know, how soon will they not teach about it and just omit it from history? But this is getting, this right here is getting closer and closer Mm -hmm. to that. So there you go. I mean,
2: there it is. The identity politics is everywhere. You cannot. No. It's yeah, a- yeah it's, you because, can't escape it. Because everything falls apart. If you yeah. believe I judge a person as an individual and not as, you know, not as the demographic group that they happen to be a part of, physical characteristic or whatever, mm-hmm. sexuality. Right. Uh, well, then you're the bigot. Yeah. You're the bigot for treating somebody as an individual. That's how posterior backwards its six six ninety red 866-90-RED-EYE.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
4: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
2: It's on radio he's Eric carly and I'm Gary McNamara I was gonna say we have a ton of audio coming up but you really uh cannot Define audio by weight yeah it's so I, I yeah that's a good point I don't I don't know how much yeah. it would weigh so we have audio coming from testimony yesterday and a few other things all on the way <laughs>
3: top of the hour news is brought to you by house products visit houseproducts.com
1: this is red eye radio on westwood now it's red eye radio gary mcnamara and eric harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day whether you're up late or you're just starting your day Welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Just so you know, I saw the official the official inflation rate of candy. Uh, and candy, over the last two years, 27%. Because it was uh, went up 13% yeah. from last year. And it was 14% last year from the year before, so 27%.
0: That's about right. I did not get a report uh, from my daughter who handed out candy. (laughs) Uh, She was already (laughs) asleep uh, when I was leaving. Uh, So I'm guessing we had a few, but I I don't know. Uh, We had a ton of candy, and typically what happens is when she's ready to close up shop 9 or 9.30, whatever time it is, she'll just dump the bowl. If she's got whatever she's got left, the last kid gets the entire thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I I noticed a number of things. I was at the store yesterday morning, and I noticed a number of things. And one thing, too, that is really gaining prominence, at, at least at, at Walmart, I know this has been the case with other retailers, and that is the generic brand or the store brand. Uh, items that are really, I mean, if you if you look at it, I was kind of noticing uh, there's something uh, in, in the grocery store industry. It's called facing the aisle, which means you pull all of those items up front so they look neat and everything else, mm-hmm. you know, because people are taking them off the shelf as the day goes along. But as you're stocking those shelves, you face the aisle, you bring everything forward. And I noticed maybe it was about an hour after this store had opened, Uh, Walmart grocery store, a small uh, neighborhood uh, market store. And there were so many things that were already, you know, I mean, and there was, the store was busy very early in the morning. But, you know, I was noticing how people were kind of, you know, shopping and what they were selecting. And a lot of it is, you know, the, the generic or store brand items. I know for me, I don't know how much that has changed. I, you know, in measuring it, I, I can't tell you, but I know that it is more. I'm I'm shopping, uh, and and buying more of the generic brand than I did in the past, only because the value isn't there on a number of items. Certain things, I insist on certain brands, but it's you know, I I don't know. We talked about this recently. I don't know how a young family right now is making it work. You know, inflation overall. In fact, I talked to a a young family uh, that's close to me uh, a few weeks ago, and they were like, Yeah, we're looking to make room in the budget for Halloween. You know, and Halloween isn't one of those where you go, Okay, you know, it's not, you know, back to school. Yes. Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. birthdays. Uh, those kind of things. But they were, you know, trying to figure out how they were going to do Halloween, a couple of costumes and and a little bit of candy to hand out. And that's where we are. I saw some more analysts yesterday, uh, and this is really ramped up in recent days, uh, looking at where they believe the job market is going to be in 24, where the economy is going to be. Um, we'll see what the Fed does. They're not going to move on interest rates in November, but we'll see if they do anything else. But even if they don't, uh, it is believed that jobs will start uh, to to drop. You'll you're going to see some layoffs and everything else. And a couple of analysts saying we're going to be in a full on recession by summer of next year. We'll see if that happens. But I think right now the you know it is a very real struggle and the indicators are something you know you you and i talked about it yesterday with with personal debt growing and then the story of people tapping into their 401k for mm-hmm. hardship loans yep. or hardship withdrawals and that's you know something where you okay you you notice the behavior all right they ran out of savings uh uh the chase ceo jamie diamond had said that what last December he said by by the end of the summer of twenty three uh, those the any savings that people had it's going to be depleted we're seeing that and we believe that's going to be the case and it is and then people after that then you start to ramp up your credit card use, um certain bills go unpaid we're seeing delinquencies on auto loans grow and you know beyond that then it's what else can I tap into. Well, 401k hardship withdrawal, but even that is going to be limited. So at that point, when you run out of that money, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know what you do. You know, you you take on the the side gig uh, and, you know, I guess cross your fingers that things will get better. But we have to remind ourselves that true deflation has really only happened, and that that is prices dramatically dropping, has only happened once in our nation's history, and that's during the Great Depression. And, of course, it happened for for a a very bad reason. And so prices aren't going to come down. If inflation gets to 2%, which is the target, that means... Again, the compounding effect every year, 2% more next year than you paid this year for Halloween candy or whatever it is. So those are the things that are very real, and and we talked about it politically. You can say what you want. The White House can say what they want. But the American people and families everywhere, they know because they're the ones paying for it. They're the ones trying to figure out how do
2: we budget for Halloween Halloween I don't even know what Christmas looks like for a lot of these families well you, you and I did uh, talk about how the projection now for the fourth quarter is a drastic drop in the in, in, in the GDP mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, the uh, two points that I wanted to make when we, we talk about economic things here which we love talking about <laughs> uh, but I was reading an article yesterday about you know Walmart and what they're doing the money that they want to spend Mm. Uh, you know on their stores yeah. and and talking about the challenges that all the big uh, retail box stores are facing right now and this I didn't know this was something that was new when I read it yesterday and they talked about the fact that all the automation to stock the shelves, none of it works right none of it none of it works They need mm. humans they need humans to do that they, uh, the automation that they uh, whatever they were doing in the experimental stage, mm-hmm. whatever,
3: mm-hmm.
2: none of it works. And none of it does the inventory control automation and everything else. Right. None of it does the job. Now they didn't get into the specific details, which I would love to know. You know, that that's that's something that you and I would look at and go, well, tell me exactly, you know, what didn't work. Right. You know, what, right. what were they using and why didn't it why didn't it work? And they really didn't delve into it. And then they went into the fact that they don't know what to do up front because they're trying because of well, and, and, you know, because of inflation and because of many of the, you know, the, the states, liberal states that have drastically raised the minimum wage. Yeah. They've got to cut labor and they don't know how to to do it because they're cutting back so much on any of the cashiers where yeah. they're thinking. Yeah. On, and, and I'm like, oh, OK, that's drastic because at the stores that I go, no longer do they have the self-service checkout line or, you know, that has just one to ten items that now they're seriously talking about bringing that back to move the customers, you know, through more and they said, you know, we we really can't, you know, uh, it it's like automation isn't streamlining anything by having self-checkout and they understand. They go the the consumer and you see this complaint. The consumer is saying, "Well, automation isn't isn't, you know, making my life easier. It may be cutting back on you." but I'm having to do your job. Mm-hmm. I'm having to do a job that the store once did. That's where the efficiencies in, in retail are. Yeah. The right. the actual customer having a responsibility that they didn't have uh, before. All right, right, well, then how do you make them happier? Well, you have the lines that only have, you know, uh, 10 items or less. Right. And and I'm like, oh, okay, because they went away from that. And I don't know whether they stopped that how long before COVID. I know it was before covid but you didn't see it as much, and now you can go into these lines. But the thing is, now I get caught doing it all the time. Go into the you know self checkout line, and I've got fifty things. And you're like, well, thank goodness they allow you to bag it and put it in the cart now. Remember when they didn't allow you to do that? Yeah, but now, right. but but still, it's like they they really aren't prepared for somebody like me who says, well, I'm going to use the self checkout. I got fifty things. Yeah, uh, but well, what, one of the things that you know the scan
0: and go technology that that um, uh, some of the warehouse stores are using, uh, Sam's Club is one of those uh, where you're you're scanning it. And I've used it a few times. I don't go to, I don't go to that uh, type of store because I don't buy I don't buy many things in bulk. But I've been a few times and used it, and they offer incentives. You know, with all the technology mm-hmm. and apps and everything else. Uh, everything from fast food to grocery stores and and retailers are offering incentives to use the app. And it's the, but the process is a bit tedious because you need to make sure, well, especially if you're shopping with someone else, well, they went and grabbed something and put it, well, you got to make sure you scan it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because before you put it in the cart, you need to scan it. Otherwise, if you forget it, then you haven't paid for it. And, and of course there's going to be trouble. And, You know, those are the things Walmart is is doing a $9 billion remodel on roughly 1,400 locations. And they say it's going to be an upgrade in technology and everything else. I'm curious to see that. They say an expansion of self-checkout. I don't know what that means. But then my question was, and I didn't see it anywhere in the articles or any release from Walmart how much it also? How much of it is also uh, trying to diminish uh, the theft loss? And there has to be consideration for that. And I don't know how they do that. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I'm guessing part of this remodel is going to be part of you know tightening security. Um, and I guess we'll see. I mean, all retailers have to do it. You would expect. All of us who insist on, you know, paying for things and not breaking the law, we're all concerned because we know that eventually we have to pay for it because mm-hmm. prices start to go up if there's greater theft or the availability of such stores goes away because they decide not to operate any longer in our neighborhood. Those are very real concerns. And we'll see, $9 billion is a lot of money. And it's not just aesthetics. You know, they want to sell more things and they want to, they also want to make sure that people pay for those things.
2: I went to CVS where, or I went by CVS on my way to work uh, uh, this morning or last night, actually. And I look at what's in the parking lot. Mm. Like, I'm not kidding. Ten huge of the garbage bins.
0: Oh, and yeah. I,
2: I look and all the lights are still on like they're open, but you look in it and I think they're remodeling everything in the inside.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now,
2: it, I get my prescriptions there, so it's yeah. like, okay, I got to pick them up in about a week. I, I haven't got a notice, you know, look, your, you know, this location is closed. Right. So I don't know if they are keeping the pharmacy open when they do all this stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, um, that happened actually uh, at another retailer close to me and their front parking lot, it wasn't in the back. Their front parking lot had the same thing. They had a ton of containers there. Yeah, this was a side parking lot. And it was, you know, and I asked one of the workers, I'd been going to this, I I go to the store all the time. And this worker's been working there for a long time. And I said, "Uh, y'all got a lot going on. She says, yeah, we're remodeling again. And, but a lot of that for retailers is about uh, being able to monitor activity and that's- and you know the you know it used to be where the shelves are towering over you uh in 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 especially in pharmacy retail locations and they changed that so they have greater visibility of individuals and that has to do with the security
2: and that's what I'm wondering what are they actually going to be doing and are they going to put more behind glass mm-hmm. is there you know cuz i i look at you know what is it what is it going what is it going to be for example uh, when it comes to shoplifting, it's really tough to shoplift you know with Amazon mm-hmm. and so you sit right. there and say, yeah. the brick and mortar are they going to sit there and say, "Okay, you go by, you scan everything and will the automation give you everything when you you know when you're ready to walk out well
0: that's something that I thought about that that could happen with scan and go technology and then if you were able to move robotics in that direction and have everything essentially brought to the front as you were scanning it or Doing it the way that they're doing it right now at, at places like Sam's Club, where you're actually scanning it and putting it in, or the cart will actually scan it if the if it has a reader on that card on that cart. You scan your card to take the cart. That means that card is going to be scanning things. Right, it, it'll scan mm-hmm. things onto your card and then ready for checkout. And you hit go, and then you just walk out. But it's being paid for essentially. It's being scanned automatically. Well, that's,
2: my, I, I, my, that's my, that would yeah. be problematic.
0: I think, and on a large scale, and extremely costly.
2: Well, yeah, I, I would say that, especially if you have the electronics in the cart, because I still can't find at any big box store that I go to carts that the wheels work properly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I'm still we, having that we need problem. To fix that yeah.
0: before we start doing anything else. Yeah. Uh,
2: more on commercial. Real estate. Oh yeah, uh, some yeah. some numbers coming out on that yesterday. Wall Street Journal with an article on it. Uh, we'll get to that and more on the way. Eight six six ninety red eye. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max.
3: Independence with carrier authority should be mindful that negotiation strength varies as the week progresses. Typically, the highest rates across major segments are paid for loads negotiated on Sundays, and the highest volume of loads for all segments is seen on Mondays. Also, the weekday that tends to be the best for flatbed negotiations, yielding the best rates. Owner-operators tend to have less negotiation strength on Tuesday, which shows the lowest weekday spread between brokers' offered rates and actual paid rates. Broker offers tend to rise by Wednesday as the end of the week is in sight. This day also seems optimal for the 3 o'clock hustle, so-called for its reliance on that afternoon time of day, when brokers are getting nervous, to improve negotiation strength. Stay mindful of this system to maximize your revenue. Brought to you by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: It's Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, talking uh, uh, economics here and where the economy may be going. Uh, this is in the Wall Street Journal. The money has stopped flowing in commercial real estate. Yeah, declining construction loans has been particularly severe as lenders continue to cut back. This is one of the things when you saw the 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 uh, the, the GDP, and it was interesting because the GDP came out. What did, was it? Four uh, point five percent. Four point nine. Four point nine. You sit there and go, well, that's absolutely incredible. Why did the stock market go down? <laughs> it's like because it was based on consumer spending not business right. investment exactly. and that's and that terrified you know the the markets on that day not terrified but scared the markets on that it, day it was an indicator of what a yes. lot of
0: people had, had feared that that inflation is not over and and business investment is slowing
2: uh commercial real estate uh lending is shrinking to historically low levels threatening a rise In defaults on expiring debt and a sharp decline in new construction of warehouses, apartments, and other property types, banks, insurance companies, and other commercial property lenders have been cutting back since the first half of 2022, since the Fed started increasing rates. But creditors have been even more reluctant to make new loans as treasury bond yields have soared since early August. Most commercial real estate loans are tied to short-term rates, not long-term rates. Right. The rise in treasury rates, however, unnerved the already skittish lenders and cast new doubt on uh, whether a range of property types were overvalued. Mm-hmm. Uh, total volume of consumer, or, excuse me, of commercial real estate loans held by banks, the largest source of debt financing declined during the first two weeks of October. According to the analysis of the Federal Reserve, uh, bank commercial property lending has declined for only two months since 2014. Most other two week periods since 2014 have shown positive growth. Yeah. But- yeah, not
1: good. No. listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, one more thing on uh, the outlook for the economy, and it's, of course, the uh, debt, which, by the way, eats into GDP. Right. Because yeah. of the yeah. interest that has to be paid on it. We told you last week that it came out 800 and, yeah, it was $879 79. billion. Billion dollars, yeah, almost nine hundred billion dollars in interest alone last year on the federal debt. Yeah, I mean that's just when you think about it, that's just, that's unbelievable because that's nine hundred billion that uh, you know is just to service debt. It doesn't do anything. You're not you're not getting anything. And, and as you notice right now, the 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 fight. You know, uh, Wall Street Journal had an article. A couple of other uh, financial periodicals did saying <laughs> Biden wants to load the uh, Israel-Ukraine bill with uh, tons of pork. Yeah. And we yeah. said that's going to happen. They're going to sit yeah. there and say we need more money because if the if you look at, number one, spending, I believe, is up 38% pre-COVID. Still now. Yeah. Even after everything that happened, mm-hmm. it's still up uh, uh, 38%. So, but all of a sudden, it's been in the last two years where you've gone from roughly 250 billion dollars that it was interest on the debt to now 900 billion. you know so your your're 600 billion 650 billion dollars higher than you were just a couple of years ago. if the budget remains the same, you still have to have massive cuts to services for the American public because of the debt. And you have the Republicans that have come out. Uh, Johnson came uh, came out, and, and we we had asked yesterday. Okay, they said that any money that goes to Israel, which is standalone, they want it standalone. Right, fourteen and a half billion, we has to be paid for. How are they paying for it? Clawing back from the Inflation Reduction Act. That if you if you want this money for Israel, everything has to be paid for. The money comes directly from what you've allocated for the Inflation Reduction Act that had nothing to do with inflation. Right. Which means they're going after the climate change money, which is a climate change money is to subsidize uh, an industry that can't make a profit. Right. And so already the Democrats have come on and said, nope, 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 nope. No, we're not going to tie any cutting to any spending. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah. You're setting it here, you know, where, do, where does this go from this particular point? Because, you know, will will the public say, well, yeah, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, let's help Israel, but yeah, let's limit it, and no, let's do each bill. Uh, let, let's make sure that we're spending wisely uh, because Republicans are explaining to us that uh, correctly that uh, this, is, um, this is the cause of the inflation that we see today. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not to that point yet, but we'll see. But uh, U.S. fiscal deficit, a more serious problem than ever before, says Larry Summers, the Obama economist. the Obama era economist who warned us and warned the Biden administration, don't do all this don't do all this spending. It's going to cause massive inflation. And they did it anyway. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers believes that the current federal budget deficit poses a greater challenge for the economy than it has any time before in United States history. Um, uh, he said uh, the uh, the U.S. budget deficit, which came in at $1.7 trillion for 2023, is probably a more serious problem than it's ever been before. Summers discussed the issue of IRS enforcement of tax laws, an issue he said uh, was of increasing importance when the fiscal deficit remains so high. The budget deficit is not... Uh, Large only in absolute terms, but relative to the size of the U.S. economy, the 2023 shortfall came in uh, at at, uh, 5.3 percent of GDP, well above the average of 3.8 percent seen over the last 40 years, according to the Office of Management and Budget. Summers compared the current situation unfavorably to what former President Clinton dealt with in the early 1990s when Summers served as Treasury Secretary and the administration pushed through a deal to trim the deficit.
0: Yeah. Wait a minute.
2: The deal, the deal was because Republicans were forcing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And spending cuts during President Obama's (laughs) uh, uh, first term when he attempted to reduce the deficit through a combination of tax increases and reforms to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Seems to me that before we get to painful spending cuts, before we get to raise taxes on anybody under the law, We ought to be collecting the taxes that are owed. You know what they're saying? Summers is saying you need to keep that money in there in the Inflation Reduction Act for the 80,000 IRS agents because the poor and the middle class aren't paying their fair share of taxes.
0: Right. We need to look at those uh, deposits of $600 or more. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. By the way, that's not going to make a difference. That's where he's BSing you. That's not going to make. Yeah, a
0: it, is it is not. It is not. Yeah. No. Well, and you know, you look at it. Um, Biden is is uh, threatening to veto a standalone bill, but he won't have to because it won't get through the Senate. And the question is, and you asked the question a moment ago, but really, where? It, are they going to come up with a bill? I don't know where you have middle ground on this. I don't know where you, because Biden's proposing over $100 billion. And, you know, he wants this, he wants another heaping steaming pile of spending. Well, the fact of the matter is we can't afford it. And you're not going to get the GOP on board. That's not going to happen. So I don't know. I honestly don't know where that middle, middle ground is. It is urgent that we get that aid to to Israel. We have to assume that that $14 billion is going to be absolutely necessary in destroying Hamas. But I don't know what urgency there will be uh, or at the very least, I don't know where that middle ground is, where some any of them say, "Well, we had to come to an agreement because," and I don't think that's going to change. I, I just well, don't. I don't know how they get a bill well, uh, again uh, with the makeup on on Capitol Hill. You're
2: already getting pushback from Senate Republicans on not including Ukraine,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not going to – he won't have to veto it because it won't get past the Senate. Yeah. So I don't know where – I well, don't know where the,
2: the, it, it, it is. Well, it, it would be in conference. The, the House comes up with their plan. Mm-hmm. The Senate comes up with their plan, and mm-hmm. it's the agreement that they do in conference.
0: Right. And I don't – that's what I mean. I And I don't know what that agreement would be. Neither do like. I.
2: have no idea what that agreement would be.
0: Because to me, it doesn't look like there would be unless the GOP in the House just folds and says, okay –
2: but if you ask if you ask the american public can can you sell to the american public that look that the inflation reduction act hired thousands of irs agents to go after you the poor and the middle class and we want to cut back on that we want to we want to not fund as many irs agents mm-hmm. in order to help israel can you sell that to the american public is that an easier is that a good sell
0: I, I think it resonates, but it's going to take, you know, it's going to take yeah, I, a a campaign of getting that word out yeah. there. I I don't know. I don't know if that sinks into people. Everybody should be greatly concerned about hiring eighty thousand IRS agents. They should be greatly concerned about this administration's insistence on looking into every stinking aspect of your life. You know, as we've been saying for years. uh, But I don't, I just don't know that that concern is at that level where you build that political will to get it done.
2: I really don't. So I I don't. We're going to find out quickly. It's going to be in the next couple of weeks. We're not going to have to wait a long time to to see where this all goes. Right. I mean... We already know that the Republicans are already talking about a short-term plan.
0: Mm. They did as soon
2: as Johnson got the speakership.
0: Right, yeah. And so do you have, you know, uh, are you going to have enough to convince the House GOP to basically fold? I, I don't
2: know. I really don't know. I can't tell you well because the the last bill, the one under McCarthy that the House Freedom caucus put together you never got to the point you know you never got to the point of trying to sell that for right. yeah. you know for uh, three, four months whatever right right so you never got there right. so we don't know. What would even would have happened then? Because mm-hmm. that was rejected by Gates and the other eight. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, where do you go now? Now, Gates is not, a, you have not heard Gates come out against a short-term plan under Mike Johnson. Right. But where do you, if you can't, I guess this is my point. The Republicans are saying that everything must be paid for. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to raise taxes. So the only way it can be paid for is, is to cut back on spending that is allocated for something else. Right. What can you get the American public to side with you on if you're going to take money out of somewhere else to pay for the defense of Israel? Hmm. Because still the Democrats will sell it. Oh, in order to help a foreign country, we're cutting back on helping Americans. Right.
0: Well, I mean, I can I can see that being the case. We can't lose our focus here at home. Israel has everything they need. We don't need to be involved, right?
2: And and you're seeing it already. From They're not sum- making that case right. for Ukraine. You're but, you're, you it, you're seeing it from Summers already. By the way, to show the hypocrisy of Lawrence Summers. By the way, hmm. remember he was against the 1.9. But yeah. he was for the infla- he was for the Inflation Reduction Act, yeah. Yeah. which basically is flushing money down the toilet. Exactly. For climate change crap. Right. right. So it shows you that, you know, he can be a legit economist sometimes and completely bogus at other times. Right. And in this case, he's completely bogus by saying the Inflation Reduction Act was a good thing. How he's selling it is. And I think that's how Republicans or Democrats are going to sell it is we hired the IRS agents to remember they sold it. They sold everything as going after the rich.
0: Yeah. Those rich with their
2: $600 deposits. Now, he didn't (laughs) say that. Now, Summers didn't say that here. He just said, well, no, we we need to ensure that the IRS is strong so everybody pays their taxes. Uh So now it's just generic out there. Uh But what the Democrats are going after is the unreported income that mostly is the poor and the middle class. Right. They're the ones hiding income. Right the rich it's impossible for them to hide income right at that level right or close to impossible because they're getting audited all the time exactly and and so they're going after so uh, which side you know and and so i can see i went okay summers is trying to sell this now by, by not stating that you know he's not making the claim well we hired all these 80,000 irs agents to go after the rich to make sure the rich pay their fair share because everybody knows that's bogus mm-hmm Everybody knows what it's about. Mm-hmm. Everybody who resells a concert ticket or a sports ticket now knows what it's about. All right. <laughs> I think he was out he was out there yesterday about the unnecessary fees. Yeah. And I'm thinking is this Biden playing at both ends? Okay, we're gonna monitor and we're gonna tax you if you make a profit on any sports or concert ticket. What can we do to help you out here? Okay. Uh, we're going to pretend that we can lower fees right. for concert tickets. Right. So we'll we'll emphasize that you know we're about lowering those unfair fees.
0: Right. We're going to be a hero. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's insane. It'll even we'll even it out. Right. Well, we're 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 going to get we're going to get every dollar that you make in profit out of a concert ticket, but we're going to tell you that we're going to try to cut unnecessary ticket fees. Right. Because they discussed both of those yesterday, oh, yeah. and I'm, I don't think it's yeah. a coincidence. No. Because, oh, look, if we're going to take over here, we need to pretend we're at least given over here. Right. Exactly. Trying to walk the fence. 866
0: <laughs> red We'll
1: be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, uh, we had bureaucrats testifying yesterday. We'll have that audio coming up. Uh, and uh, for the most part, nobody could answer any questions again. Yeah, right. It's just amazing. Just amazing yeah. how. And we'll give you some. They uh, know nothing examples. about their job, apparently.
0: Now, do yeah. you know where the southern border is? Well, I will tell you that. We have certainly heard of the southern border. We know that it does exist, and I think it's important to focus on
2: other things. (laughs) It's just bizarre. Maddening.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. Listen when and where you want. If you cannot listen live overnight. And thank you. Thanks for the listener that uh, told us the mistake that uh, we made earlier.
0: Yeah, the All-Star game that year was moved from Georgia to Colorado, not Arizona. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, well, when you live here, you got Arizona on the mind because the World Series is going Yeah. On. So. Yeah. Arizona's a bunch of losers.
0: <laughs> so far. <laughs> Not everyone in Arizona,
2: just their <laughs> baseball team. Isn't he mean? Isn't he mean? Just their baseball team. You're judging a state Bo- by a baseball team. Well, not an entire state, just the baseball team. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I like Arizona. I got friends in Arizona. Um, Remember what, you know, Mark Lindsay sang.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Arizona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: but but... You know, it, there's still a chance. Uh, I saw somewhere they don't call the Diamondbacks the Comebacks for nothing or something mm-hmm. like that. They can turn things around. We'll see what happens.
2: We have some great listeners in, uh, yeah, in uh, in in Arizona. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, we'll be interesting to see what happens. I guess the the Rangers. I saw they won last night uh, again, eleven to seven. They were up, I think, ten to nothing. Yeah, they're like in the third inning, whatever, and and uh, their you
0: know. postseason on the road record ten and 0. 10 and zero. That's crazy. That's crazy. And uh, we'll we'll see. It'll be the first time the Rangers have won a World Series.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. If they win, they didn't win when they were the Washington Senators. Mm. Either. Think think, what, 61, I believe. I'm doing this from mm. memory. I think, like, wow. the early 60s is the Washington Senators. Wow. So George Will will be happy. <laughs> <Whenever> <laughs>
0: having a George, where's George Will these days? Oh, Those man, days. no. Somebody had the article. Oh, I forget what it was. I forget what the title of the article was. I'll have to find it. But basically how he's changed in recent years. You know, and it's like, hmm. Interesting. I didn't get to read all of it.
2: Yeah, I just, I haven't seen a column or anything from him. No, in in the longest time.
0: Yeah, I haven't.
2: I haven't either. Yeah. And it would be interesting to hear his perspective right now because if if George Wool was in front of me right now, what I'd ask him is, you know, we know that you were as anti Trump as you could possibly get. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you'd call him a never Trumper, but he was. Quite passionately anti-Trump. I'd like yeah. to ask him the question: What do you think about people like you know Barry Weiss, who is as liberal as you can get, mm-hmm. that looks back about, upon Trump on the issues only? Because I've always thought that that the the problem with George Will and look, we have you know if we disagree with anybody on the issues, we'll tell you specifically why. And we disagreed with Trump on issues at times, yeah. and his inconsistencies at times, and when he didn't tell the truth. But on the issues, he was a moderate. He was no yeah. radical as many Republicans tried to make him out to be on the issues, but he's not. And yeah. now when you look at where he stood on the issues compared to where we are right now, that's what gets somebody like Barry Weiss to write an article in the last, what, 10 days stating, wow, Trump was writing a ton of things. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I, now, I, I now realize it. And that is almost a miracle. If you knew what Barry Weiss was before, uh, you know, before she realized, you know, what working for the New York Times was was really about. Boy, she pounded yesterday in the New York Times
4: on, uh, on, yeah. on the on the writer,
2: yeah. the the, yeah. the Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, it's like, how the hell did yeah. you hire somebody like that? Exactly. And she was pounding them again yesterday. I forgot what the other issue was. Uh, on that. But uh, yeah, I yeah, would, it was I,
0: the uh, Washington examiner that had the changing George F. will. And the reason I couldn't read all of it is because it's behind a paywall at the Washington examiner. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen a lot.
2: No, I haven't seen anything from him. You know, you, yeah. you saw some, I it's been at least, at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember the Seinfeld. Kramer. Well, you know who's an attractive man, George Will. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, his hair is just perfect. Remember how he just is his hair is just absolutely perfect. And I think Elaine said, Yeah, I think he's a quite intelligent man, and Kramer goes, Well, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: foreshadowing the never trumper and george will maybe i don't yeah. know.
2: well well i mean it it is it is interesting because i i think about when i was uh, in college and stuff and george will on on conservative politics was huge with me i mean he yeah. he sort of yeah. lay, he laid out i mean he and he and people like milton Friedman, uh you know actually laid out a, a lot of things that made a lot of sense to me when you're at that age where you don't even know what you are and you're trying to figure out what you are and so you say, okay, common sense, you know, that that's what I was looking for. You know, somebody connecting the dots and throwing out some critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Trump sent everyone over the wall, didn't he? Most, I mean, so many people, not everyone, but I mean, so many people just sent. Yeah, a number of people. <laughs> just went absolutely crazy. Yeah, But yeah, but it shows you that. Uh, I can't think of anything recently on politics of what George Will has said, except the anti, you know, Trump part right, of him. Right. So when when I mentioned the Washington Senators, I went, "Oh yeah, George Will must be happy because yeah. so, because he was a, he's been a baseball fan for the longest time." Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, you ready? All right, let's start with audio from yesterday. Yeah, okay. We'll go to Blinken first. Oh, okay. This is Secretary of State Blinken Mm -hmm. not answering the question from Senator Hagerty about can you guarantee that no U.S. funds were used to fund the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks? And we're talking about the, the amount of humanitarian aid that we have given the Palestinians that we know has ended up in the hands of Hamas. Right. This is outside the six billion. This is outside the financing of Iran, and it's something that we've spent some time talking about last couple of weeks. And they've tried to deny. Well, no, all of it went to humanitarian uh, uh, purposes. So the question was asked from Senator Haggerty to Secretary Blinken
4: yesterday. I think the question I'd like to ask is: Has can you guarantee us that that no taxpayer money, no U.S. taxpayer money, went to fund the attack that Hamas delivered in Israel on October the seventh? So we
6: have and we've had uh, from day one, uh, and we'll get obviously get back to you in, the, in, in response to this letter, a robust monitoring inspection uh, verification system for the assistance that goes uh, to uh, any international organization. Uh, no, and including Can you guarantee,
4: Obama. though, that U.S. taxpayer dollars didn't go to Hamas to help fund this attack on October the 7th?
6: So everything uh, that we're doing in terms of uh, making sure that the assistance is used for purposes for which it's uh, designated, not for other purposes. As I said, we have a robust system in
4: place. Um, can I can I share my concern, Mr. Secretary, to be more specific about this? Uh, in May of 2021, I traveled to Israel after the 11-day war. I met with Prime Minister Netanyahu, with his national security advisor. They briefed me and my team on the fact that every humanitarian aid dollar, every foreign aid dollar that goes into Gaza is controlled by Hamas. They either direct it they tax it, or they divert it. They even take pipes intended for the water system for civilians and turn those into rockets that are aimed at at, uh, at Israel. We've seen Hamas's own videos demonstrating this. So I'm going to come back and ask you, can you guarantee that U.S. taxpayer dollars weren't used on October 7th? What
6: What I guarantee is that um, we take every possible precaution to ensure that these, these uh, resources are not diverted.
2: So, so no, he can't. Yeah, the answer is no. They, but they can't answer. Nobody can answer a question. We'll play more of not answering the questions uh, yesterday. It really is amazing. I mean, when you think about it, because there is such there is such a consistency in this administration of nobody being able to answer any questions. But they're doing a wonderful job, and they're trying very hard. Oh, yeah. Everything's going great. Just amazing. Uh, I will say this. I'm going to play this audio cut because this is... Something this, we we don't hear much from the Republican Senate leadership you did yesterday as they held their weekly uh, press briefing, and this is how they need to be talking about the situation at the border, especially right now with everything that has gone on. Here we go.
6: I've just returned from the southern border, and it's painfully clear that with Joe Biden's open border strategy, we're at increased risk of terrorism. Just three days before I got there, alert border agents seized a migrant with four explosive devices the size of cannonballs. These are clearly tailor-made for terrorism. The night we were on Midnight patrol, we encountered a couple of dozen of migrants from as far away as Moldova. One man, middle-aged, said he was traveling as a family. That's because families receive special treatment. He was holding tightly onto a 10-year-old girl. There was no mother. There was no sign of affection. And, you know, we used to do things like DNA testing to make sure that children weren't being exploited. Well, Joe Biden canceled all the DNA testing, so now you don't know who is coming into this country pretending to be families. Eight million illegal immigrants have come into this country during Joe Biden's presidency. Last month, another all-time high. It's gotten so bad the Department of Homeland Security has issued an increased risk of terrorism in this country. Of those 8 million, 2 million are gotaways, people that run and hide so they're not captured. Even if only one of 1,000 of them are terrorists, that's still 2,000 terrorists in our midst. Remember, 9-11, it only took a dozen terrorists to take down the World Trade Center and hit the Pentagon. The Border Patrol knows what we need to do. It's enforced the law. It's bring back the remain in Mexico policy. It's this ending of catching release and, re- and finish building the wall. Joe Biden won't allow any of it. Any additional border funding has to be used to stop the flow, not to make them come faster.
2: Senator Barrasso yesterday with the uh, Senate leadership uh, uh, behind him yesterday. This is something that if you're ever going to Talk about the border with Israel. You have the, you know, after the uh, uh, Israel situation, right now is a perfect time to talk about it. And that story about the guy getting caught crossing the border with bombs. Right. Why? Yeah. And, and if the American public is ever going to respond, this is the kind of thing you would hope that they respond to. And I say hope because I don't know what the American public right now is responding to. I'll know better next election and maybe some yeah. indications from state elections this year, you know, maybe something, you know, in the next week, but uh in all likelihood we won't know until next year where the american public actually stands.
0: Well, it and it makes you wonder what internals are showing uh and and in, in the white house the concern for the border right now. It has to be growing. But I could be wrong. Tragically, wrong
2: we'll have more audio on the way Eight six six ninety red eye
1: coming up more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley it's red eye radio
2: It's Trinite Radio. He is Eric Hurley and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. I want to play uh, this audio call quickly from John Kirby yesterday, and this is uh, after you had uh, Secretary uh, Blinken could not answer the question about whether U.S. taxpayer dollars that went to, you know, Gaza humanitarian aid was actually, you know, has been used uh, by Hamas. When we know it has been, you know, we know that it has been in the past and it is now. I mean, there's no, nothing that shows there's been a change. Here's John Kirby yesterday.
5: We I want us to be very clear on this. We have seen no indication, none, that Hamas has gotten their hands on any of the humanitarian assistance that has gone in.
2: There you go. You believe him? No. Does he know that he's lying, I guess, would be the question. Or is he just ignorant? There's no way he doesn't know the truth. just amazing
0: there's no way he doesn't know the truth he's lying and
2: it's just you know you just shake your head you're just like what in the hell
0: (laughs) well again you know this administration is acting in defense of iran and hamas and terrorists well, there's no evidence. Well, you can't prove that. Well, we don't. Iran's not going to use this money for that. They're not going to. We can't.
2: I I don't. Was it the you New York? Was th- it the New York Times last week that wrote the article on Hamas taking the fuel? Was it the New York Times or was it the Post? I can't remember. It was a liberal publication that that did a whole thing about the aid to going into uh, uh, yeah. I, Gaza I forget who taken. wrote
0: it. Yeah. I mean, I remember the story. I, yeah. I forget who wrote it. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's widely known. Yep. It isn't a secret. You know, I almost said, well, Intel clearly. Is, you know, is going to be inside the White House. All the intel is going to be clearly known by everyone. Well, you don't even have to have the intel from. You know, government sources from CIA or from any other vantage point it's widely known and over and over again though it's this administration being essentially sounding like the spokesman for iran and their proxies hamas and here you have it again well there's no evidence of that you can't prove that there's no evidence of that you know what's going on. It's just that your boss
2: isn't going to stop it. Yeah. But the State Department gets asked the question and can't say no. All they can say is we're trying. We're ins- we're we're doing the best we can to ensure that no humanitarian aid goes to Hamas. Right. And really, when you think about it, one of the biggest jokes is that the humanitarian aid that that Hamas, uh, you know, the the. Palestinian uh government everything is controlled by Hamas right everything all the right and that's the other thing about you're hearing now oh I got to get to the part where he talked about uh where he talked about the fact that uh, a humanitarian pause now would be uh uh would you know would be a welcome or a good thing to do I got to find that mm-hmm. that one from uh Kirby yesterday you know anybody who talks about a ceasefire or pausing for humanitarian aid wants Israel to lose yeah Absolutely.
0: They want Israel to sit there and take whatever Hamas is going to do to them. Yep. You know, this reminds me of uh you know Afghanistan. Oh, well, the Taliban isn't gonna take over Afghanistan. The Taliban's not gonna take over. They're not gonna take over. When we get out, they won't be taking over. And the week after the botched exit of Afghanistan, Joe Biden. Well, the Taliban was always going to take over. Yeah. And they're doing the same thing here. Ah, there's no evidence. There's no evidence. Who
2: controls Gaza? Hamas. Hamas. Completely and totally. We know that. Everybody knows that. Everyone knows it. And they pretend, well, you know, uh, we're doing our effort that the humanitarian aid, because... We have an accounting going on. Yeah, uh, the humanitarian aid. Uh, uh, you know, we have an accounting going on. Yeah, there's, a, and we're know, doing we're, our best for the accounting. We're watching it. Well, we're, are they are they getting the money? Are you going to answer that question? Right. They won't. They won't.
1: On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio.
2: And he is Eric Carney and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, I found the audio cut uh, from Kirby from uh, uh, yesterday. So uh, here we go. And, right. and, you know, you've heard ceasefire, a humanitarian pause now is the new. Humanitarian pause now is the new word for ceasefire right the new phrase right here we go here's john kirby yesterday at the white house
6: uh given the airstrikes in the on the refugee camps near gaza city uh would now be the time for a humanitarian pause i know you've said that u.s position is no ceasefire you don't support ceasefire but would now be the time for a humanitarian pause
4: well without
5: getting into this specific moment that we're in right now or or uh, litigating this from the white house podium we do believe that humanitarian pauses could be of value but
2: you don't have to go any further. Yeah. Israel, They're- stop defending yourself. Yep. And the and the real war, when you look at it, because it's the ground war, is what, less than three days old? Yeah. Yeah. Three days old, maybe? Yeah. Maybe three, four days at the yep. most? Yep. But Hamas and- knew
0: that they could control all of this because they knew they were going to have the liberal media of the world on their side. Hamas knew they could do this. They knew we're going to make Israel look
2: like the bad guy, and and that's the tightrope that the White House, as we've talked about over and over again, uh-huh. which shows that they don't support Israel. They don't. They don't support Quit Israel. Saying you do when right. you actually don't, right? You know the um,
0: what is it? Fourteen billion dollars in aid going to Israel, but we have to remind you know in that in that package that uh, Biden wants to put together uh, money for Ukraine and also billions of dollars to Iran because we're not enforcing the embargo. That's not spending, but it still is within the grasp and authority of this White House, and they refuse to cut Iran off.
2: I mean, they're they're trying to play both sides of the game here, and we've said it. Financially, they're trying to play both sides of the game because Republicans should say this. You know, Republicans should say, look, we support backing israel yeah but if we're backing israel we must also understand that this administration every time they say we we believe in backing israel uh you know they're, they're they're making sure that they get in we'll back israel but it has to be paid for also add into it that the reason one of the reasons we believe we have to back israel at this moment is because joe biden insured and the Western world through humanitarian aid that was taken through Hamas, Mm -hmm. we believe because they cannot tell us. Blinken could answer the question yesterday, can you guarantee us no humanitarian aid has gone to Hamas when the belief is, and even it's been reported by liberal media, that Hamas takes the aid and uses it, you know, takes the gasoline, uses it for their generators in the tunnels and the food. Mm -hmm. You know, they're extremely well-stocked in Hamas because they simply take... The humanitarian aid. Why? Because they are the oppressors that control Gaza. Yes. And they're a terrorist group that controls Gaza. During so, of course. Control. So, they're taking the humanitarian money and the president is insuring, both with the $6 billion, which, by the way, they never did renegotiate it. That was a lie. And Republicans really never hit that. Andrew right. McCarthy right. pointed that out. Republicans never did. Right. Andrew McCarthy they went repeated point by point. what they
0: had already said
2: as if it were a new development. Right. And we need to talk about the fact that Biden changed Trump policy that has rewarded Iran with tens of billions of dollars that they've given to Hamas and Hezbollah. Hamas now has committed a huge terrorist attack against Israel. And now they're also, Iran proxies, funded by the oil money, are now attacking military installations, U.S. military uh, installations, and planning more terrorist attacks on Western sites and United States sites. You've got to tell the entire story. Republicans, every single day, and I don't know what's so hard for them not to do that. No, it needs to be a focus. It needs to be a focus. Every single day, the American people need to know yeah if you're not painting the entire
0: picture then you're not going to get the political will that you are looking for that you need you've got to convince you've got to show the american people what's going on you have to demonstrate that very clearly every single day
2: (laughs) could you imagine if three days into afghanistan the the uh the people were asking questions whether we need to stop yeah right or I think what was also pointed out was D-Day. Mm. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't have gone in on D-Day. Uh, we there, shouldn't were
0: too, have, there, were, there were too many civilians there. Yeah,
2: French civilians were still all over the place. Yeah. So we shouldn't go in. Right. I mean, this is, again, every time you hear humanitarian pause or a ceasefire, and I think the new one now is not a ceasefire. I think humanitarian pause is has replaced cease yeah, fire right, right. because we're doing this because we care. Yeah, it sounds kinder
0: and, and gentler.
2: And so we we were looking all the time, all right, when is the White House going to say okay, let us, you know, you know, yeah, humanitarian pause. And you notice he didn't say because of this particular situation. He said in general. Right. In ge- that makes it right. worse. Yeah. Yeah, in fact he went out of his way right. to
0: say that. Yeah. Well, we're not going to, you know, litigate this particular situation from uh, from a
2: podium, right. just in it, general, just humanitarian in general. pause uh, could be a value. Right. What? I gone are the mm. days. And, and then he says, "But you, you need to, you need to be able to rely on both sides in uh, order to make sure that uh, it works." Yeah, yeah. You're an idiot. Right. You're it's, an you're an absolute idiot. It's it's just moronic. I mean,
0: you think about the days after nine eleven. Remember when Richard Gere was at the fundraiser for first responders and he did some kind of kumbaya thing and he was booed? Remember how Americans were saying we have to go after those who were responsible for 9-11? I really wonder. I really wonder and I've been wondering for days now what the response of the American people would be the left would be if we were attacked again on American soil. Here
2: it is already forgotten. Michael Brendan Doherty National Review. Hamas's atrocities are already being forgotten, interred yeah. in false yeah. equivalences. Yes. And he goes, Every nine eleven memorial I've seen seems to include the words never forget. Yeah. And you and I've said many Years ago, we said, yeah, well, we've well, we forgotten. We, we've forgotten completely. Yep. We have, we have forgotten the enemy that we face each and every day. Yep. You may remember the lost souls, but we have forgotten what caused it. Right. Well, we've never really acknowledged as a nation what caused it. Right. We know because you and I remember how the media covered the nine eleven Commission, which mm-hmm. said we were they were at war with us, we weren't at war with them. Right. And we should have considered preemptive actions. Right. And we said, because the media was focused on, well, we need better intelligence, need better intelligence. The 9-11 Commission said, yeah, we need better intelligence. But if we're not willing to act on it, better intelligence means nothing. Well, you and they ignored Osama
0: bin Laden and Peter Arnett in a cave. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. And Osama bin Laden saying, we're declaring war on the U.S. And no, still, that didn't get through. The, the other attacks, well, that didn't get through. Well, we didn't go to war with
2: them. Uh, it said uh, even even though uh, it was the equivalent of a dozen per capita 9-11s, we're talking about the population size and the number of people yeah. lost, yeah. Uh, even though it was uh, uh, the most fatal day for worldwide Jews since the Holocaust, and even though it has uh, kicked off a worldwide wave of popular anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic expression Unseen for decades, the October 7th massacre of Jews by Hamas in southern Israel is being actively and willfully forgotten, even by the White House, as we as we predicted it would be. Yeah. And by liberals. Right. Yeah. It is being buried in fake news about Israeli bombing of a hospital and wantonly killing 500. In fact, Hamas or its allies in Islamic Jihad fired the rocket that exploded in the hospital's parking lot. It's being buried in fake uh, uh, history or onyx from European politicians about Israeli war co- crimes. It's being buried day to day by front page pictures in the New York Times and Washington Post of destroyed buildings in Gaza with no real description of what purpose the building served for Hamas. It's being buried in fake out news that the half German beauty uh, whose lifeless body was paraded and spat on as a war trophy by Hamas, Hamas was in fact recuperating in a Gaza hospital. That fake-out was used by online trolls to allege that Israel had been falsely using the death of the young woman in in a propaganda operation. But as it turned out, again and again and again and again, Hamas was in fact more monstrous than you first suspected weeks later. Buried under the pictures of Gaza, the news came out that she was beheaded. Says, we rightly deplore the pointless violence of terrorist groups such as Provisional IRA, who led 30 years of mayhem across two islands only to get a deal very similar to the one offered to them more than a decade before their ceasefire. In 2019, America's Reading Public made a bestseller of Say Nothing, a gripping journalistic account of just one gruesome IRA murder, uh, the execution of Jean McConville, a mother of 10, an Irish woman who was killed by Irish terrorists as a suspected informant. And just talking about how, you know, we viewed those things and now how we view this here, making the comparison. No, it's already being forgotten, interred in false equivalencies. If Hamas uh, laid down its weapons, faced justice, and gave up its hostages, the people of Gaza would still be in a pitiful state, but unmolested by Israel. If Israel laid down its arms, October 7th would repeat itself. Until the shared dream of Hitler and the Ayatollah was accomplished. Don't ever forget that. And by the way, when it says don't forget, not only have we not forgotten, but the United States and a portion of liberalism has become a cheerleader. Yeah. Cheering terrorist acts and unspeakable murderous conduct of a terrorist group against innocent civilians they have cheered it yep. in the united states yep. as he writes
0: proactively um, uh, actively and willfully forgetting erasing yeah the atrocities here israel should stand down and not defend itself that's their position hamas should have their way and as you point out The anti Semitism of so many and you're seeing the radicals everywhere.
2: And it's who want Israel
0: gone. Remember when it I'm old enough to remember when it was Ahmadinejad, the former leader of Iran, saying we want Israel wiped off the map. Now it's people in the US.
2: Yeah. And every, every time, when you see yesterday, when Kirby said that, humanitarian pause, yeah. and that comes from the White, that's the White House yeah. stating yeah. it, yeah, Iran and every one of our enemies looks at it and laughs and go, my God, these people are gutless. Yep. We can play this all day long. Yep. They're, they're not going to do a yep. thing about it. They're appeased. They understand, well, Hamas and Iran is thinking the president is appeasing because he's He knows. And then they are built with confidence believing Americans want Jews dead, too. Yeah. Yep. And what the administration is doing by now trying to hamper the Israelis, Iran, and all of our enemies looks at as, wow, they can't even, the president of the United States, the White House, can't even say, Israel, go win this war. Right. They have to give deference to Hamas. They have to give some type of deference to Hamas and some type of credibility that Hamas, if treated properly, mm-hmm. of course, will be there for humanitarian aid to uh-huh. help the poor civilians of Gaza. What a load of crap. Yeah, But that's what's being sold by the liberals and now starting to be sold by the White House. That's the message that our enemies hear. Yep, Hamas is writing. All of it. It's their playbook. As we would like to say, tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. 866-90-RED-EYE.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
2: Trot Trudie Radio. He's Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. One good thing is uh, you, uh, this: uh, make sure we put out the good stories too. After we found out that a, a hundred of uh, Columbia University professors, uh, you know, basically put out that letter defending the students who defended Hamas's actions, mm. you have uh, this story out yesterday from the New York Post. More than two hundred faculty members at Columbia University said Tuesday they were appalled. By the spate of anti Semitic incidents on the campus, days after scores of their colleagues signed a letter demanding or defending students who supported Hamas. So, yeah. One bright point, right? Yes.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on what? West- now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios, this is... Is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. We finally got it. What did we get? It took time, but we got it. I saw this headline yesterday and I burst into hysteria. Yeah. Are you ready? Okay. From the Huffington Post. Yeah. Opinion uh, by Stephen Crockett Jr., opinion editor at huffpost.com. All right. The NFL wishes it could be Taylor Swift. Tall, attractive, safe, and white. <laughs> 70% of the NFL is black. About 42% of the avid fan base is black. I don't know how he came up with those numbers. I'd like to see where he comes up with those numbers. Mm. And that, that, because as a percentage of the population, it would mean that blacks are way more passionate of the nfl than whites and i don't know if that's the case mm. i just wonder where he got his numbers from mm. uh 70% of the nfl is black about 42% of the avid fan base is black and yet for some reason the nfl keeps shoving taylor swift down our collective throats And it just goes on and on. Well, you know, it,
0: inevitably it, it had to become
2: yes about race. Yes, of course it did.
0: Inevitably, you know, you can you can let it go on for a few weeks, but then all of a sudden we're just going to have to destroy it.
2: Now, he does have some great lines in here. Okay. Taylor Swift is music for those who don't care about music.
0: <laughs> okay, that that was great, brilliant. Yes, actually, great. yes,
2: at least not real music. Is what yeah. she's right. she's milk toast Beyonce. Yeah, all she's right. white toast without butter. <laughs> she's that thick Texas toast without the barbecue sauce, <laughs> and in that uh-huh. she's safe. She doesn't have to make too much noise in the protest space. She can be 33 years old still recording high school love breakup songs. She can stay in that right-hand lane doing the speed limit because not only do white girls love her, but so do their parents. Moms love easy listening this way they don't have to explain <laughs> to their children <laughs> where exactly Pound Town is located. <laughs> Nor should they have to.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Because Swifty and the Swift boats don't wade in that water, and that's a good thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift doesn't make music that you have to turn down. In fact, she makes music that you can turn up because Taylor Swift is everything right with America. She's tall and, con- and conventionally attractive and embodies the Midwestern awe-shucksism normally reserved for folks that have never been to the big city. She's the average girl white America loves, and so does the NFL, which means as long as she's dating Travis uh, Kelsey, then the football-watching public is going to have to deal with Taylor Swift every damn Sunday because, sadly, Taylor Swift is exactly who the NFL wishes that it could be. Look, there's Taylor eating a hot dog. Oh, look again. Taylor is making a sad face. Oh, wait, did Taylor leave the game? No, she's back. She must have run to the bathroom. It's nauseating the amount of time the NFL (laughs) has openly pandered to the Swifties by showing the singer in the skybox with Kelsey's mom and uh, quarterback Patrick uh, Mahomes' wife. During her inaugural appearance on Sunday Night Football, Swift was shown 17 times for just attending the game. (laughs) If you and your friend played a drinking game that included taking a swig every time Swift was shown At any of the four Kansas City games, well, I will make sure to say kind things about you at your funeral. What Swift has captured is the elusive middle America. You know, the middle America that doesn't exist but politicians speak about. I have no idea. By the way, he has a lot of dots, but he doesn't connect anything in in this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, And then it goes on to talk about, uh, uh, let me see here. Um, Let me see. So if the, uh, the NFL, uh, uh, then they, they give the percentage of people that watch the NFL, so, mm-hmm. and they, a significant portion, black, Hispanic, whatever. So if the NFL is an overwhelmingly black sport supported by blacks and Latinos, then why does the NFL keep trying to push Taylor Swift down our collective throats? I mean, it's safe to say we aren't her demographics. Uh, Swift's devout following is largely white, suburban, and millennial. Mostly women, so liberal,
0: yeah, right.
4: So there you go.
2: <laughs> but it's just it's hilarious, and it goes into it brings in Kaepernick and starts going through all that. That this is inherent of the race. By the way, it's not the NFL that promoted her. I was going to say, what does the NFL have to do with it? It wasn't the NFL. That, that's the one thing he gets wrong. It was the NFL broadcast. Mm-hmm. That's not the NFL. Right. It's not the league doing not that. Not the league doing it. It's a separate entity from the league. Right. It's the media doing it. Mm-hmm. And tell me which of the networks and the people covering NFL... How many are liberal and promote liberal values, and how many promote promote conservative?
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, they're It's based on what? It's based on emotion. She has nothing to do with the game. She's just dating a player.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh look. You know it's, but that's that comes right out of the. Liberal playbook.
2: No, it has to do with it. It's easy. It has to do with. And by the way, she herself has mostly stayed out of politics. But we know she voted for she she voted for Biden. She mm-hmm. made it clear she voted for mm-hmm. Biden. Mm-hmm. And on other issues, she's made it clear she leans liberal. Yeah. So what's the right. point? Right. Liberals are racist. Mm-hmm. I guess. I, I don't. I guess. <clears throat> You can't This liberal infighting has to stop. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> but while he while while the writer has a lot of dots, he doesn't connect them. Right. He just throws he just, out he just throws out dots that are never connected. Yeah, it's a Jackson Pollock. It's just yeah. all over the place. But I just, I loved it when I saw it yesterday. I burst out yeah, laughing. Yeah. And I will admit.
0: Got to make it about race. M-
2: Mr. Crockett does make some some great points musically, though, yeah. that are pretty funny.
0: <laughs> makes music for people who don't care about music.
2: music. <laughs> well, not not at least real music. Yeah, right. It, it's, look. Yeah, but the whole thing is where he says, because, he. You, do you see what he called it? He called the NFL a black sport. Hmm. Hmm. He sees it. He sees everything in the identity of the person doing it. Right. The American public doesn't see, in general, any sport as black and white. Right. It may be you may have more blacks playing football, basketball, but not hockey. Yeah. Are hockey fans going because the players mostly are white? No, they like hockey. Mm -hmm. Do do people watch the NFL because it's 70% black? They like football. Or they like football. Do you watch basketball because it's mostly black people playing the game? Or... You like basketball? See, this shows you everything is identity. Well, the NFL is mm-hmm. a black sport. Say what? It's football.
0: Nope, it has to be about identity.
2: Yeah, exactly. Everything's about identity.
0: And and and, and quite frankly, the whole Taylor Swift thing is irrelevant doesn't mean a thing to the game doesn't mean a thing to the passion for the game but if you're going to deal in identity politics then of course you're going to have to no it's a side, it was make it about race it was a
2: sideshow that has nothing yeah. to do with uh, we exactly. really nothing to do with football you know? exactly so it's 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 the number one pop star in the world and um uh, right i mean i would yeah. assume the number uh,
0: one i mean right now
2: yeah, probably in maybe. the world. You yeah. could argue that. I mean, number one pop star in the world, and yeah. I've, I've
0: said I don't understand it. I haven't I, looked I at the rankings list lately, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that.
2: Yeah,
0: um, in the uh, in the small town, a couple of hours here from here, where I started my radio career, we had a um, a CBA team, basketball team, and they played at the university, the local university, and spinderella the dj from salt and pepper was dating one of the players and she came to the game and she came to quite a few games actually she made quite a few games and it was kind of a you know small town buzz thing you know a a celebrity coming in to you know watch her boyfriend play on a cba team and cba really you know didn't take off it's it Minor league basketball, yeah, but in a small town, hey, you had something to go watch.
2: Oh no, I, I when I lived in Rockford, Illinois, and they had their uh, CBA team, it was extremely, yeah. yeah, popular. I mean, they draw, they pull in seven, eight, nine thousand people to a right. game, right? And yeah. and we
0: looked at it, and it was like, you know, asking the question, why would Spinderella, you know, be interested in in a player, and and you know, what 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 do they have in common? You know, clearly, she's not in it for the money. <laughs> They made, what, about 100 bucks a season, maybe, as players. But it was kind of, you know, it was one of those things where, well, you kind of welcomed the distraction. You know, the CBA team didn't do too well locally. I mean, had plenty of support, but, you know, it wasn't going to go anywhere, and we knew it wasn't going to last very long. But it was, you know,
2: it was buzz. Here's the thing. I remember, I remember, you know what I remember? I remember in the, because uh, it got a lot of publicity local. But again, there, there were no computers and stuff like that. But I, you know, it. but I remember when, um, uh, and it had to be the late, when, when did Hammer become big?
0: Uh, Late 80s, early 90s. Okay. In
2: there. Yeah. It was the late 80s when, because it was always a big thing. i never forget mm-hmm. going to a, a Bills game one time. And they were sitting out there in the public and it was Rick James and Hammer. At yeah. the Bills game. Right, yeah. And they made, I mean, the local media made a great big deal of it, but mm-hmm. you didn't have the internet where the national media could jump onto something. Right, right, Because then right. the camera might have been on them. It was the a local entire- bu- big local buzz, right. Right, it yeah. was a big right. local buzz because yeah. uh, they were in the crowd, but right. you didn't have it. Today, if something like that happened, because Hammer was huge at that point. Oh, I mean, massive. You know, Rick James massive. had come out of, was it when did... Uh, Super Freak? When did Super Freak come?
0: Oh, out? man. Uh, well, if you think about the rise of uh, Rick James, late 70s into the 80s, I don't know when Super Freak, I can't remember what year that was. But, you know, there was a building late, late 70s, early 80s. 81. Yeah. I remember when they were advertising in Atlanta. Rick James and Prince were both in town on the same night and it was some kind of, you know, it was like, you know, this big, almost like a, a battle, you know, who was going to draw the largest. It was huge. It was massive. And Prince wasn't quite at that point. He wasn't the superstar that he became. And, uh, yeah. So, and of course, Rick James, uh, the The bass line, they sampled. Uh, Can't touch this. The Hammer Song,
6: mm-hmm.
0: yep. is is from Super Free.
2: <clears throat> and and uh, Rick James, uh, born and raised in Buffalo. Just mm-hmm. so that's you know, yeah. But uh, on forget Hammer, and then uh, and then there was stuff. I just remember that back because then the Bills became you know that's when the Bills started winning and everything else in that right. time. Right. And then there'd be more celebrities around at that particular point but it was more on a local level. But I just remember that that was a big thing. Yeah. And no, I mean, it was yeah. just a big thing. And nobody bothered them. I, they right. sat a couple rows from us. Right. Right. And it was just looking and go, oh, there they are. There's, right. Know. There's Rick James and Hammer. and Yeah. It's like, yeah, but sorry, there's a Bills game on. <laughs> exactly. It was like the opposite. Well, oh, there they are. Game's on. Well, Forget see, about you. <laughs> with our CBA
0: team, it was like, oh, look, there's something to watch at the CBA mm-hmm. game. There's, there's Spinderella. <laughs> it was, you know, the, the if you look at what they're doing in the broadcast here, they're playing on something that you can't really ignore. If she's there at the game and she's with with Kelsey, as long as they're a thing, it's that's going to be the case. It they're gonna it's gonna be noted during the broadcast, and it's it goes back to what we've been saying about like the Today Show and Good Morning America, you know, showing all the viral videos and everything else, it's because people are responding to it. And if I deep, know a lot of us are saying, eh, that doesn't, that's not what I tuned in for, and it's annoying. But a lot of people are responding to it. They're getting a response by doing it. Otherwise, they yeah. wouldn't be doing
2: it. The biggest mistake the writer's making is the NFL is not the people broadcasting Right. It. This isn't the league doing this. Right. And do you have any evidence that the league went... To whoever carried the first game and said you must show taylor swift right we need uh exactly yeah. this amount of time minimum
0: of taylor swift right. on camera
2: and the nfl probably yeah. saw it and went oh look uh we believe that there were some people that don't normally watch football that came in oh, yeah. okay no problem right. yeah. we got an additional audience they the nfl owners if they even thought about it right that might have been their thought right but yeah. Reading into it, it's, no, it's because she's a safe white woman.
0: <laughs> Come on,
2: well, ask any of her ex boyfriends; they may disagree with
0: that. Well, I mean, you know, if if Beyonce were single, she's a massive global superstar. Oh yeah, and if she were single and dating a player, it would be massive. It would be so, huge, yeah. and you would see her on camera a lot if she were at the game. Eight six six ninety red eye. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret.
5: Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: It's Friday Radio. Uh, he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. I've seen this headline here: Bud Light tries for a comeback with focus on sports and concerts. Well, we told you this was happening. They were taking roughly 150 million bucks, you know, to market, you know, Bud Light or try to uh, re-market Bud Light. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's going to work unless they're slowly trying to find a new consumer for Bud Light. Yeah,
0: I mean, I wondered if can you. How long can you wait, right, for the next generation to become of legal age and also not remember everything? You know, I, I don't know if that, if time will heal that kind of branding wound. I really don't.
1: Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios.
2: And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, what what did you just tell me that you saw on uh, Twitter? Our, our, uh let me Ari go Ari Fleischer back wrote, back to wrote it. it. Yeah. Just we weren't I wasn't gonna go to it, but I just I, there was I had another uh, story well, here he was, but
0: And he was re, uh retweeting this uh and uh Larry O'Connor, our our friend from WMAL reposted this. Uh, Ari Fleischer, CBS began the program calling it an Israeli invasion of Gaza. Not a counteroffensive, not a counterstrike. By that measure, the U.S. invaded Germany in 1944. (laughs) But this is how it's being covered. And then, you know, Fleischer is reposting uh, a tweet of their story uh, CBS Evening News, and at the last sentence in that tweet, which is the link to the story, uh, Hamas says dozens were killed. The media is taking the talking points from the terrorists. Hamas is running this whole show media-wise all of it and it's mind-boggling how that happens can you imagine you know it's one thing for terrorist groups to come out and say you know take responsibility for an attack on whatever target it was that's what they do they 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 do that so they they can claim that as a victory. But this is the entire PR of this back and forth. You know, it's the war in Gaza. It's not positioned as Israel and a counteroffensive. Israel defending their homeland from terrorism. It's not mm-hmm. that at all and won't be and you know we we talked about it earlier they're actively and willfully erasing the truth here and israel is the aggressor hamas is the victim that's the way this thing is being positioned and hamas knew it was going to play out that way and they are writing it <laughs> Right out of their own playbook for Western media, and the media is doing it.
2: I don't get that at all. As I said, I'm not surprised by what's happening. I'm surprised at how blunt and how quickly they are blunt in their anti-Sem- anti-Semitism and their murderous mindset. Yeah, I mean that yeah. is what when when. You because if if you're backing Hamas, you you have a murderous mindset. Yeah. You know, you've seen these protests where they talk about, you know, killing the Jews and killing right. the Jews, whatever. Right. I mean it's right. it's it's quite it's quite blunt. The reason I'm not surprised is, you know, because we've talked about identity politics a lot and how if you judge people by groups and not individuals, you know, this is this is what you uh this is what you get. Think about it. And when you when you talk about the uh, insanity of the radical transgender movement. You got a ton of young people walking around, and remember, most of the most of the people in the United States that are pro Hamas and pro terrorism are young people, and the more highly educated they are, the more likely they are for the beheading of babies if they're Jews. Hmm. I mean, I'm not exaggerating that. That's not over-the-top hyperbole. No, this we're is, seeing that play out. Yeah, this, this is in their actions, in their statements, in their protest, the things that they're saying, the letters that they're writing, mm-hmm. that they side with Hamas. Well, if you can convince a significant number of young people, and especially young people in the higher institutions of learning, where the professors, I mean, it's just as we know the the amount of, uh, in the teaching profession to begin with, but in teaching, in the media, whatever, you get there, it's hugely liberal. Yeah. But think about it, in the most highly educated, the, excuse me, the most highly thought of educated yeah. <laughs> people in the nation, which would be in the Ivy League they're the ones who say a man can be a woman if a man says so mm-hmm. yeah so intelligence has nothing to do apparently with telling lies or their judgment of intelligence in general and our our observation and our opinions of who is the intelligent the intelligent people when we think about the ivy league colleges is completely and totally wrong mm-hmm. because these are the easiest people that are brainwashed only when it comes to absolute science yeah, yeah, in the radical transgender movement and the support of terrorism and genocide. Right. You know, we saw it when
0: that missile hit that hospital. The the liberal media jumped, jumped on Israel. We saw it. They yeah. wanted so badly for that to be Israel, even when it was proven that it was not. And that carried over into what you see now. It's that same mindset. But we must position Israel as the aggressor. And that's been the basis and the inspiration and the drive behind the anti-Semitism that you're seeing, not just in other parts of the world, but right here in the U.S. On a daily basis now, they are proudly promoting their
2: bigotry and their hatred. Well, we talk about ex-New York Times writer Barry Weiss and maybe ex-Liberal, from her, from, her, Maybe, yeah. from her post last week, lashed out at her former employer, the New York Times. Because you mentioned CBS. Yeah. You know, and talking about the invasion. It's not an invasion. It's a, Right. It's a counteroffensive. Yeah, it's a counteroffensive because they were attacked first. Right. And the implication is that Israel is the aggressor by doing that, which, again, is journalistically inaccurate. Now, right. I'm not surprised because they're political activists first. Right. But in this case, whoever wrote, edited, or approved of that, is not only a political activist, but a political activist in favor of the Hamas genocide against Israelis. Yes. But ex-New York Times writer Barry Weiss lashed out at her former employer for citing pro-Palestinian experts who praised Hamas for the terrorist group's October 7th massacre. Weiss took aim at the New York Times... For employing a Hitler loving reporter in Gaza, a reference to Solomon hijay a Palestinian filmmaker who in years past hailed Adolf Hitler in social media posts. Barry Weiss, the former liberal, and <laughs> can I say that almost now? I don't probably not yet, but she's she's making the case. When when she wrote the article last week that wow, Trump was right. Yeah. and you know, being you know, I'm I'm moving, I'm moving to the right, but she said, if you thought that the Hitler loving reporter in Gaza was the only scandal at the New York Times, think again. Weiss wrote on her ex social media account on Monday. She then post, posted a link to a New York Times story published last week about the atmosphere in Saudi Arabia post October seventh, which quotes Sultan Alamer, a graduate student at Harvard Center for MIDI Studies. Weiss noted that Olimar is presented as an expert by the New York Times. But it took about five seconds for me to discover that he is also the person who celebrates the mass murder of Jews, Weiss wrote. She cited a Twitter post, ex-post from Olimar, on the morning of October 7th when he wrote, What a sweet day. The tweet was posted as the world learned of Hamas's surprise quarter border assault that left more than 1,400 dead in Israel and more than 200 others were kidnapped and uh, being held in Gaza. The post has sought comment from Alomar, But has not done it. But uh, yeah, Weissen posted a link to a 2021 profile of a Palestinian professor who teaches Israeli poetry at Islamic University in Gaza City, she noted that the Times invited uh, Alarir to write an op-ed piece in May of 2021 during an Israeli aerial bombardment campaign against the Gaza Strip. Weiss attached a screenshot of the ex-post by Alarir in which he joked about whether an Israeli baby, baby rumored to have been burned alive in an oven by Hamas terrorists during an October 7th attacks. Was cooked with or without baking powder. Yeah, what's going on here? Pretty simple. Weiss wrote the. I love this. They have in the New York Post. The conservative writer said the institutions like the Times are a reflection of their people. They call her a conservative writer. Mm. This is what happens when a newspaper is overrun by reporters and editors trained at a least schools who embraced the decolonial worldview. Weiss resigned as an opinion writer and editor from The Times in July of 2020 after calling out bullying by colleagues, which created a hostile work environment that included calls for her removal.
0: Yeah, Indeed. we can't have any critical thinking here, can we?
2: The, the Times last week criticized a continuing employing of Hijay who hailed Hitler as recently as 2018 on a post in Facebook where he shared a photo of himself, captioned that he was in a state of harmony as Hitler was during the Holocaust. Whoa! Wow. Call him out. Yep. But this is where again the media, because there's no way you can look at this as you said. There's there, th- this is this is the the red line you can't cross. Right. This is yep. the this is the red line. Right. Of do you believe? That babies should be beheaded and civilians should be targeted exclusively? And if you're the New York Times and you hire a reporter like this, you're saying, I'm on that side. If you're CBS and you're writing that headline that takes everything out of context and doesn't tell the truth here... And they know what the truth is. They know it's not an invasion by Israel. So they do it on purpose. They're taking the side of the bloodthirsty, horrific terrorist in Hamas who will behead babies. Yeah.
0: Hamas isn't hiding who they are. No. They're not. They proudly promote who they are. And you have liberal media basically playing their entire propaganda playbook right in front of us every day, right now. That's just maddening. That is just maddening. I heard it said yesterday, this isn't Israel's war against Hamas and terrorism. It is the free world's Yeah war against Hamas, because if you think for a moment they're not coming after you, you're ignorant, you're wrong. And this is what's happening right here. I don't know what the mindset is. I can't even begin to try and figure this out.
2: It all starts with identity politics. Yep. That's where it all starts. Yep. And I will stick to that till the day I die. Mm-hmm. We knew it was bad. We know what it causes. We've seen history. History is shown when you judge people by groups and not individuals. This is what you get. We know the history of racism. We know the history of slavery. We know the history of Jim Crow laws. We know the history of discrimination and the Holocaust against Jews. We know. 866
1: red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: In Eye Radio, he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. You would uh, hope that the Republican messaging, especially with Johnson, stays strong here yeah. and goes after the administration. Like I said, there should be there should have been a tremendous amount of blowback yesterday when John Kirby got up there and said, well, you, well I'm not going to get into the specifics of right now, but, yeah, a uh, humanitarian pause right now could be very you know beneficial. Shut up. You're
0: telling Israel to stand out.
2: Yep. And then remember, that's the official position of the White House. Yep. Yep. Once he says it, that becomes the official position. They haven't taken it back.
6: Absolutely.
1: This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One.